there's a lot of people out there that can put together a really great program for somebody. I think it takes a special person to be able to sit down and have a conversation with a kid or, or a grown man or a grown woman and be able to get them to buy in on what they're talking about. Hello and welcome to Ahead of the Curve. I'm Jonathan Gellner and thank you so much for listening. We have an incredible guest today in P3 St. Louis Director of Human Performance, Josh Kiesel. Josh and I dig in on how to build better baseball players in the weight room and with assessments, but we also discuss why nutrition, sleep, and hydration are the key to maximizing your potential. Let's jump into the show with Josh Kiesel. Josh, thank you so much for joining us on the show today. Hey, Jonathan. Yeah, it's a pleasure to be here, man. I'm excited. Why don't you tell us a little bit about your story and how uh, how P3 Performance got started and, and just how did you get to where you are today? Yeah, definitely. So I actually have a baseball background myself, and I guess that's kind of where it started. I played baseball my entire life, uh, all the way through college, went and uh, played at Lindenwood University here in St. Louis. After I stopped playing there, I really kind of got into coaching. The First place that I stopped by was uh, was a club ball team here, and then I kind of got into high school ball as well. Spent about five years uh, coaching uh, high school and, and club ball in the St. Louis area, and uh, won a Class Five state championship. Did you know a bunch of perfect game tournaments, things like that. From there, my my interest in strength and conditioning kind of uh, blossomed, and I I started to to really spend a lot of my free time. Uh, kind of putting together secondary education towards that and specifically involving baseball and overhead athletes and uh, and pitchers. And I actually, I guess it would have to be back in 2009, I, I met uh, a guy named Brian DeLunis, uh, who has become a pretty, pretty important and, and great friend to myself. Um, and him and I started working together a couple of years down the road from there. Uh, with with a pitching program that we had put together, both on you know pitching side and strength conditioning side, mm-hmm. and there was a group in uh, St. Louis that that saw what we were doing, um, and they said, "Hey, we want to we want to put you guys together and and kind of let you do your own thing and, and just take it from there." And, and so we were we were extremely grateful for the opportunity, and that's kind of how P three or Premier Pitching and Performance was born. So it's coming up on five years now, and it's been. Uh, it's been a, a, an awesome five years. Oh, it's fantastic. And and before getting to know you, one of my favorite gifts on Twitter is Andrew Benintendi just smoke like just smoking some <laughs> chain bicep curls. <laughs> and we actually got to talk a little bit about that. You're one of the guy. You're the guy who gets to uh, work with Benintendi and gets to uh, how he got the nickname Benny Biceps, which is pretty cool. <laughs> well, I'm not the only guy. We've got we've got an awesome staff here. And, and they all do a great job uh, working with all of our guys. And, and yeah, Andrew's been really honestly, it's been great having him in the last couple of years. Um, he, he's a tremendous worker uh, and you can see it. I mean, you, you go out there and you put together a season like he had last year and it's, you know, the, the proof is in the pudding, as they say. And he, he just, uh, he just, you know, comes in, does his work and, and, that's that's what you get, man. When you when you go in and put some some hard work into your off seasons, 
And not to stay on the subject of him too long, but uh, I think it was two years ago. I'm a Red Sox fan, so a little geeked out uh-huh. right now. So this is pretty cool. <laughs> but you guys got his big thing was he was too small. And then he came in at just 15 pounds heavier. And so that was a huge, huge credit to, you know, obviously his hard work, but, but you guys helping with that as well. I think he went from like 170 to 185 in an off season and just looked completely, completely different. So it's awesome. Yeah. No, that's again, uh, such a testament to him because, uh, man, more than half of that is just work outside of the weight room when it comes to nutrition and things like that. I'm sure we'll get to that at some point in, in, in the conversation, but nutrition for him was a huge key. Um, it just shows, let that be an example to these young kids out there that, that, you know, it's not just putting in time in the weight room and on the field and things like that. It's a, it's a lifestyle and you've got to make sure that your priorities are straight and that you're doing what it takes to put your best self out there. Uh, and that could be, that could be in the kitchen. It could be in the classroom or it could be in the weight room. Definitely. And Josh, as you know, uh, I'm a high school coach and we were talking before we started recording that that comes with, you know, some some obstacles as far as the weight room goes. So uh, let's let's just go through a year of one, your best advice as to what to do. And and maybe we can critique this to the ones who are having a little bit of trouble with the weight room like myself or, you know, people who don't have a background to it. So let's start in the fall. And what should we really be focusing on? How many days a week? Uh, how long in the weight room? Things like that. Can you just kind of lay it all out there for us? Absolutely. So let me just take this opportunity to apologize for the first of about 50, it depends, answers. Okay. <laughs> sure. I, we, are, we are like a 100% individualized program. So, so every approach that we take is highly individualized. Um, with that being said, one of the things that I wanted to kind of put out there for people is things that you can account for, things that you can ask and take into account when you're putting together a program for these guys. You know, that in itself could be individualization. You know, we have a great assessment process and, and it's taken us years to kind of put it together. But there are things that, that high school coaches like yourself can do just in asking questions and, and getting to know those athletes uh, a little bit better. So first off, before we even get into putting together a program for for a guy in the off season we're going to ask things like uh, are you playing a different sport and if you are playing a different sport are you doing in-season workouts because that in itself right there can be a tremendous amount of of work that they have to be putting in besides what you're potentially putting together for them weightlifting class that's another big one and sometimes those are a little bit uh tricky because you might have a coach who says hey look you know, this is for a grade. You have to do it. Um, and there might not be as much wiggle room there. So you kind of have to work around that. Guys might have speed and agility training that they might do where they say, hey, you know, I, I really want to work on, on, on my speed this offseason. I'm going to hire somebody out to, to do that. And maybe that's two times a week. They might have a personal trainer who's doing everything and you don't even know it. You know, and, and, and then, you know, showcases, fall ball. Uh, if they're playing, are they pitching and playing? Are they taking pitching lessons? Were there injuries sustained over the summer? I mean, you kind of you get the idea. There's right. there's a ton of stuff that you have to to keep account of. Do they have a job? We'll have college guys who come back in the summer, and they've got a job in a you know a packing place where they're having to lift you know fifty pound objects over and over and over again all day. And you know some guys are working outdoors, doing lawn service, that type of thing. So. All those things are things that can absolutely still be in effect in the fall. 
is kind of where we start. So to simplify for you, we basically have two different types of guys in the fall, right? We have fall ball guy and we have off season, post season guy, right? He's, he's not playing fall ball and his focus is, Hey, I want to develop this off season. Um, so, you know, if you, if you start, the easy one is, is the fall ball guy. Uh, he's in season. He's probably working on month eight or nine of, of being in season, which is <laughs> the, at least the length of a major league season. Obviously the volume is not there, but it's a significant amount of time that he's been playing for. Um, and we're planning around what, what hopefully is a known throwing schedule. So one of the things that I, think is huge coming from my perspective as a strength and conditioning coach is if we can get a good schedule of, Hey, you know, I, I start typically on Saturdays uh, or, or, or I'm a Sunday starter type guy that, that helps us tremendously in planning out a weekly schedule for him. Uh, at that point, it's pretty simple to stay on schedule. We've got that information. We're looking at two to three workouts per week, continuing to work on maintaining and even improving range of motion and strength. The workouts will be a little bit shortened, uh, with, with minimal stress on some key areas, such as, you know, not, not getting too much grip action. Um, but our focus is still on keeping, uh, strength and building on that strength. And then obviously proper rest and, and good recovery too. And so what about the off season guy? You mentioned that the fall ball guy was pretty easy. Uh, what are you guys hitting in the weight room with that guy? Yeah, absolutely. So, so your, your postseason or your off season guy, they're done. They're, they're, they just played for probably, you know, six, seven months. Uh, I know here in St. Louis, we're looking at a February to August timeline. We've got some guys who train remotely with us in Iowa. Where that's a little bit different, but you're typically looking at about uh, seven months of, of being in season. We're going to go straight to a general prep phase with them. The, the, the one thing that I try to stress with guys is get your body and your mind recovered from that season. And, and maybe that's just a week or two, just kind of decompressing maybe you go on a trip with the family if you're a high school guy or, or whatever it is but let yourself kind of restore back to back to square one uh, and once they get in with us you know we're talking august september timeline uh we're going to come in we're going to have them go through our our assessment process and we're going to go and take them through a strength and speed assessment on top of that where we create some baseline numbers for them and then we're going to start to, to program up for them off of what we've seen there. That general prep phase can be focused on a couple of different things. We're looking to restore any lost range of motion if needed. Hopefully they did a good job in season, but that doesn't always happen. And then we're going to prep that body for what it's about to, to take on. And so that can be, you know, movement focused kind of going through some of those key lifts that we might be introducing or reintroducing at that time to prepare them for what they're going to do in, in the next cycle of, of workouts. And, um, you know, that might be looking at a squat pattern or a hip hinge pattern. Again, kind of the, kind of the basics just to get them prepared for that off season workout schedule. Got it. And while we're on the subject of you building into those lifts, uh, what are some of your favorite lifts? And again, me being a high school coach, we probably don't have a ton of time. So I'm always looking for the most bang for our buck li lifts, not, not necessarily to cut corners, but to just maximize our time. So can you, uh, can you help us out with that? No, yeah, absolutely. A, a couple of staples for me are, are hex bar deadlifts. I, I love it. They're not 
crazy. I think they've, they've gotten to be in most of the weight rooms that I encounter these days. You can pick one up fairly cheap. And I, the reason why I like it is because it, it puts us in a little bit more of a, of a neutral position as we're lifting with our arms. Guys tend to have a little bit of an easier transition with the technique of that. Um, and it's still a great exercise for, for just, you know, a, a total bang for your buck type of thing. It's a little bit of a specialty item, I suppose, but it's, it's a worth it one. And then we go to a little bit more of a specialized tool where we're big fans of, of the safety bar. And like I said, that one's a little bit more specialized. So for a guy who's eh, maybe a little bit more limited by those tools, front squats and, and, and combination of those two exercises is big for us as well. We'll do a lot of rear foot elevated split squats and single leg exercises. And then when we get into some of the upper body things, we're, we're big on, you know, your pulling movements and, and strengthening up those areas that are really going to be integral for a, for a baseball player, especially a pitcher. Big on, on rotational and core power development a little bit later in the off season. And so that's, you know, med ball work and, chops and things of that nature to strengthen and stabilize some of those key areas and is there a a huge difference from and and again this is probably our non-pro guys is there a huge difference between what the pitcher should be doing in the weight room versus what the position player should be doing in the weight room it really just depends on the person you could you could have a kid that comes in and and he weighs 130 pounds soaking wet you know and he's 6'2 and it's like okay yeah we, we we, we might want to go to work on, on building some strength and, and, a, and a good foundation here. And, and so that might be a little bit more of, a, of an all-encompassing approach. When you do get to some of these older guys, though, some of these, some of these more experienced guys, the training ages, you know, two, three, four years, and they've been in a program like ours for a couple of years, or they've been in your high school program for a couple of years, basically we start to work around that, that off-season schedule. So at first, there might not be a huge difference. You know, when you talk about a position player versus a pitcher, but especially as you get later into the off-season and the pitchers start throwing more, if you're in a velocity-building type program, the throwing volume obviously goes up, and then eventually you transition over to the mound and, and throwing bullpens in preparation for your high school season. And at that point, things do start to, to really change and where the position players, they can, they can take a little bit more time. They're, they have a little bit more of a longer off season, if you will. Pitchers, what our rule is, is if they're up on the mound at any point during the week, they're in season. So if they're going to be throwing a bullpen, you're in season because there's a difference between, you know, even that mentality when you get up on the mound and they're throwing that bullpen, there's a purpose behind it and, you know, we have to account for that. So one of the things that we go by is, is volume increases over on the throwing side of things. It decreases on our side. Got it. Now, I, I'm a huge proponent of competition and measurement, especially during the fall, whenever it's you're getting to like the grind of it's November and we've we've been doing the same things for a couple of months. Uh, and just to keep things fresh, how do we what should we be measuring in the weight room or even, you know, just a competition wise? What should we be doing there? Yeah, no doubt. I mean, we struggle with that, the length of the off season. It's this time of year where you get to see guys, the eyes kind of light up as they start throwing and they start to see their hard work paying off. And, you know, there is a little bit of a lull there in that November, December time frame where maybe they've been in for a couple months and you're, they're like, oh my gosh, like, what am I doing all this mm-hmm. for? 
but yeah, absolutely. When it when it comes to measurement, uh, especially starting off with our assessment process, I mean, <laughs> can I say everything? You know, I mean, we try to we try to really, especially these days with with the data driven te- and the technology driven way of the game that we're starting to see, we really try to track things, whether it's just our physical assessment and range of motion and numbers on that and improvement on that, or whether it's something a little bit more athletic driven where we're taking, you know, broad jump numbers at the beginning and and comparing them at the end, med ball throws, you know, anything that you can, that you can measure, in my opinion, it's, it's a good idea to measure. And when it comes to, to the competition, I think that's one of the coolest things about programs like ours, where you get eight to 10 guys in a group and you might have four or five division one commits. You might have a guy who's battling to to get drafted. And in that same group, you might have a high school freshman whose one goal this off season was to come in and (laughs) learn the weight room and gain some weight. And that is a pretty, a pretty big order for a guy who's coming in like that. And he's standing next to, you know, three guys who throw 95 miles an hour and, and, you know, can throw weight around in the weight room and things like that. But it's motivating. It's motivation for that guy. And really it's motivation for the guys that are, that are at the same level that are around each other. Well, you've mentioned uh, the assessments, the pre and post assessments uh, a couple of different times. Do you mind digging into uh, what what those look like? And, and again, before we started, you mentioned that, that you have, not I don't want to say a, a dumbed down version, but maybe a simplified version that people like myself and coaches who don't have a background in strength and conditioning could probably do with their program. So can you talk to us about that, please? Yeah, you know, there's been several coaches over the years that have kind of reached out. And I really, after hearing from so many people, I started to think, hey, you know, it's, it could be a good idea to put something together on something like this. So you're right. I mean, it's, it's, it is a, it depends on the group. It depends on, on what they're capable of there too, as, if, as far as the experience level of that coach or that program. But I've put together, you know, a, a, an assessment and application kind of course where I can come in and, and, and give it to an organization or a team or a coaching staff and they can they can apply it to their to their program. And so it definitely does depend on what their experience level is. But one of the one of the key things for, for us that we do in house is is range of motion. And and there are a couple of key areas of course that, that you look at. For us, one of the biggest factors, if not the biggest factor that we look at is the hips and just that entire area we refer to it as the lumbopelvic femoral area but we look at it and and when you look at the hips in particular internal and external hip rotation big time players for baseball guys and from there obviously the shoulder is a big piece as well too so you can get internal and external there you can get horizontal abduction measurements i mean these are all things that that we put together along with some other stuff that we that we've learned over the years that that works really well for our program that they tell us a story they tell us what that person is capable of um and then yeah we do get into some of the more you know movement oriented things too we want to be able to see if if a guy can hip hinge well or if he can squat well those are two things that we look at and you know there are programs out there the FMS has been around for a long time you take bits and pieces from these these things over the years and you just, they're just tools, you know, they're tools in your tool chest that you can apply 
and make your own and pick and choose those things. And over the years, you learn, hey, this works really well and we've got a ton out of it. Or, hey, maybe this didn't work as well. We didn't get much out of it and we could probably bag that. I love it. And that's that's always something that I struggle with because, again, I don't have a background in strength and conditioning. And so we're always looking to just add things that we can, you know, realistically do and, and with a with a large group of kids. So uh, I may have to hit you up about that off the mic and, and see if you can you can teach our guys. But we are in the middle of the season uh, while while this is recording. So should our lifts look different in season then out of season and how should they look different? Yeah, I'd say so. I, I mean, we do, we do make some key changes when it comes to in season and, and off season lifts and the timing of it is really important, right? I mean, you could through an off season, you can, you can, you know, there's some of that periodization that you can do or, okay. Again, depending on the training age of the person, you can have a, a strength based cycle, maybe even two. And you can have a power development cycle yeah, and, and, and transition that into that more of an in-season phase. For your in-season versus your off-season, though, a couple of key things for me that I like to, to really watch for is how much are they throwing? You might, so some coaches are really good at this and, and some coaches maybe not. Some guys will get out there and they'll be on a great, you know, as far as a high school guy goes and college really. They're on a great one start, seven day schedule where they have their big start. They're going to get their pen, not in an in game situation. And they're going to be able to really structure a great weekly routine. And for me, that great routine looks like two to three days of workouts. If you can do a lower and an upper focus day with of course you know some light core mixed in and, and mobility and alignment type stuff we're big fans of supersetting that type of thing uh with some of the bigger lifts that they may do to add an active rest you know those are those are two big days and then if we can if we can grab that third day we'll do a total body day too that typically for us works really well after after a light bullpen and then kind of just gets the whole body going again. We'll typically structure the lower body workout after that start um, and after that big throw. And that starts to incorporate that recovery process. It gets the blood flowing again and it gets gets the body moving and hopefully can continue to establish that range of motion and build on that and not lose any of that range of motion that we work so hard for in the off season. Oh, that makes sense. And should it be heavy weights with uh, lower reps? Because I know that this is kind of, it's what we <laughs> went to this year, but I know the, in the past, it has been a lot of reps and uh, lower sets or at higher sets, if that makes sense. No, I'm not afraid of, of heavy weight in, in season, man. Not at all. I mean, you see, look, you, you get on social media, you see guys having fun with it, right? Right. I mean, they're, they're at the college world series and they're, they're doing big lifts and, I love it, man. I really do. We, we, you see the results from that stuff too. I remember, I'll tell you what, just a brief story. So in 2015, I coached for a pretty successful high school team around, around here in St. Louis. We ended up winning uh, the class five state championship that year. And we had a, a very, very good group of leaders as far as the players went. Uh, the coaching staff was, was very in sync with each other. And those guys would, after every week, 
during that week, they would come in after practice or games two to three times a week, and they would come in and get their workouts in with me over over P3. And we saw that as the season went on, things continued to build, success continued to grow to where we had you know, two guys in the state championship and state semifinal games that were throwing 92, 94 miles an hour. And they were healthy. And truthfully, they both played the field too because they were just incredibly talented. One of them's at Notre Dame right now who's, who's still pitching and playing the field. So that gives you an idea. But those guys did a tremendous job in balancing their schedule. And so, yeah, we're... We're not afraid of, of putting up heavy weight. Um, and I think the more that you stick with that, with that schedule and the more that you put in, the easier your season is going to get. It's a little bit backwards as far as, you know, what normal people might think, what, you know, people outside of the game might think. So more work, what? It, it's going to help that process tremendously. Now that makes sense. So for my next question regarding pre and post throwing stuff, I'm always looking to add better things if that makes sense and and we do a lot of the driveline stuff now for pre and post throwing so just you know for pre pre throwing stuff with the wrist weights and and the shoulder tube and then sure. post throwing with your reverse throws and upper th- rebounders things like that but what are some of the some of your favorite things to do just to wake the arm up and then to uh, or flush the arm afterwards or or just help it with the recovery phase after they get done throwing yeah for sure so we do have a lot of the same type of protocols, things like the, several of those things that you mentioned there with the wrist weights and reverse throws, those are absolutely going on. A couple of things that we've added over the years that, that are definitely additional tools, but that we've really, really liked uh, for our guys. And we make it available as part of our program. It's not like we, we charge extra or anything like that for them. Uh, it's, it's from a high school team approach. It might be a little bit of an investment, but they, they can be shared. Um, and that's the Mark Pro and the Normatech uh, technology awesome. that we use. Yeah, I mean, they're fantastic. And I will say this. I'll, I'll put Mark Pro out there a little bit here. They do an awesome job with a yearly uh, month-to-month payment plan, which is awesome. I mean, I've seen – I couldn't tell you how many times I've seen guys say, hey, I'm going to jump on this. I'm, you know, my, my summer job or whatever is going to pay for it easily. Uh, we just had a kid who got one for Christmas, and again, mom and dad just t- you know toss it on a payment plan, that type of thing. Or we've got you know four or five of them in house. Again, when it's part of a program like ours, that's awesome. But from a high school standpoint, that that can be tricky. So I love them; they're fantastic. Uh, the guys love them uh, for for posts, especially. I will say this: both the Mark Pro and the Normatech, and Normatech has been fantastic with us too. They've told us, and we've seen and and, and looked through some of the research. You can use those as a prep or as a post, and and it kind of wakes the wakes the body up, wakes the arm up, depending on what you're using. And and those are two things that we really really like. Uh, for me, man, I'm old school. I, I I've already mentioned it once. A good lower body workout for post throw for me. Um, if you're talking about you know going out there and pitching in a game, I want to get the body moving. And and if it wasn't a heavy throw day, and you're not scheduled to work out, go through your warm up. Go through your mobility. Go through some of the things that you put together that you know are going to help continue to keep your range of motion. And we see guys when they come in from a season and we haven't seen them. Maybe they were, you know, they lived too far away and couldn't do remote or whatever. And they come in with us and 
they reassess after a full season. We look at them and, and we see, look, man, range of motion, overhead, shoulder flexion, or, or like, like I said before, horizontal duction or internal hip rotation. I and mean, we might see a 10, 20 degree loss in those areas. And that's the type of thing that, that leads straight to injury. And so, you know, if you're not sp- supposed to quote unquote lift that day or whatever it is, doesn't mean you're done. Doesn't mean you, ha- you have nothing to do. Get some work in. Get you know thirty to forty five minutes of good movement, and that'll get the body primed. I got it. And, and taking notes as we speak for sure. And uh, something else that that's a little bit cheaper and, and that our kids love is Voodoo Floss. I don't know if you've dabbled in in Voodoo Floss or not, but it's just your basic flush bands and you know you put them on elbow or bicep and uh or even shoulder as well and they've they've really felt like that that's that's helped them uh at least flush out some of the bad stuff that's in that's in there and and get them recovered and and afterwards their elbows feel great so it feels great and it's cheap and it doesn't hurt i'm all in on that for sure yeah i think one of the things that we've seen uh as far as that stuff goes to be honest we we implemented that a little bit and and one thing uh, that we we saw was timing of it and and not too much of it that type of thing right. um, you know but that's like anything even when we talk about your your mark pro that pads and and your your ems type stuff you can get desensitized to that type of thing and right. and you can and even if you've got in the case of mark pro if you've got those high frequency units um, they recommend hey you know only if you're having pain should you kick to that high frequency type thing and so, you know, it's just like anything else. You want to do it timely and you want to make sure that it's not too much volume. Got it. And you don't want them to rely on it too much, if exactly. that makes sense. Yeah. I mean, we don't want to be masking pain, uh, sure. you know, and just putting Band-Aids on things. If if there's something that is truly causing pain and, and we're just, like I said, putting a Band-Aid on it, um, that's no good. It's the same, same with your NSAIDs. You know, if you're, if you're sitting there popping you know, six ibuprofen to get out there on the mound and you're, and you're chugging energy drinks and all this stuff, man, there better be a hard look in the mirror because clearly something's not, something's not right. And, and rather than just mask it again, a good hard look in the mirror and Hey, what are we, what are we not doing well here? You know, is our movement pattern faulty? Are we not getting enough rest? Are we, is our nutrition poor? All of those things and, and taking a good hard look at those will, will a lot of times reveal some things that we might not like to see. Definitely. And while we're on the subject, what are some of the most common problems that you see with the kids uh, that you work with and are there ways to prevent them and how do we prevent them? Well, you were right. We were on the subject. Uh, I mean, <laughs> a, a disregard for a healthy lifestyle for me, man. I mean, I, when I see guys, you know, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to, show my age here a little i i have not played this uh this is it Fortnite. i think is that, sure, is yeah, that yeah. the game i have not played that myself okay now now i do have video games and, and, and an xbox at, here at home that's collecting dust but staying up until three four o'clock in the morning and and then you know turning around at 6 30 in the morning to get to school you know i hate to break it to guys but that's not a recipe for success mm-hmm. and it's just creating a sleep that for you and and i would say that that disregard for a healthy lifestyle is one of the biggest problems that I see with kids these days, especially in that, you know, 14, 15, 16 year old to 22 year old age range. Um, and I'll tell you something with the amount of pro guys that we work with, 
it's one of the biggest differences that I see between the guys who are tremendously successful and between the guys who at a younger age, maybe they weren't as successful. And so proper nutrition and fueling your body correctly, and that includes hydration and, and, and proper sleep and rest. And then, of course, active recovery and things like that and movement and the, and the weightlifting and keeping track of all that. Those are all tremendously important. And I'll touch on one more thing, too. Go ahead. Uh, lack of communication when it comes to kids and the coaches that they're working with. We talked about it a little bit when we started on the, uh, the off-season you know, schedule. What does that look like? And some of the things that could come up. Maybe they're working with a personal trainer. Maybe they're working with a speed and agility guy. Maybe they've got a weightlifting class. When you start talking about, we've seen it before, kids will come in and they'll say, well, I'm doing a pitching lesson right now. And this will be during our, during our assessment process. So doing a pitching lesson right now, once a week, got a speed and agility class uh, twice that I, you know, that mom's dad sent me to. Uh, I've got weightlifting class literally every day and, uh, and I, and I play basketball and they're in assessing with us, like wanting to join our program. And I, <laughs> I'll kind of, Take a step back and I'll say, okay, let's, let's recap what you just said. And let's, let's, let's think a little bit about this. And I'll say, and by the way, have you talked to, oh, and, and by the way, in, you know, in November and December, they're going to add their team training for their club ball team, right? On right. top of the practice that their high school teams probably like, like you doing a good job trying to, trying to get at least something available to guys who maybe can't do all that stuff, you know, man, it adds up. And when you start looking at all that stuff, you, you're, you're sitting there and you're like, you're 16. That's, that's a lot, you know? Right. Well, and, and I think the biggest thing is, and this is something that I've had to do in the last maybe year or two, is really just open up that communication with the kid and their lesson guy. Like, yep. we, you know, I, I pride myself in being really good at what I do, but at the same time, I can't have the ego to say, you can only work with me because, again, I have, you know, right. 30, 35 pitchers that we're trying to work with and trying to get better. and to, to get an individualized session with those guys, like one-on-one, excuse me, not individualized, just one-on-one session, it's kind of tough during practice. So they feel like they're going to go pay a guy to help them out and could be really, really good. But at the same time, just saying, if you do or when you do have lessons with those guys, you can't hide it. Like, just right. tell me about it. Because again, they, they could be really good, better than me, perfectly fine. I've got no ego about it, but I need to know if you threw a bullpen yesterday so I can do my weekly schedule and it throws a wrench in it. But at the same time, you risk telling that guy you can't do lessons with somebody, at least preseason, offseason. You can't do lessons with them. And then that kid's not going to listen to you. They're going to listen to the other guy, if, if that makes sense. So we again, communication, I'm right there with you. That is a huge, huge problem. But I think we as coaches could do a better job of asking the right questions. Yeah. And I think it's interesting when you, when you take, uh, you know, a group like ours and then you talk, you know, I'm talking to you, you're a high school coach. We love it. We absolutely love it when we get communication from a high school coach, when they come in and we've got an open door policy and, and, you know, we absolutely encourage guys to come in and talk with us. If they want to give us a call or shoot us an email, if they know that we've got some of their players, you know, over the years we've, we've got, uh, you know, our, our, our group, our, our membership is pretty big for the St. Louis area and, and, and now it's growing nationally. And so when you see these guys, it, the communication is huge because number one, you don't want to give off a notion that, that, you know, we're trying to, to, 
to you know to force things on these kids differently than what you're doing or anything like that. You know what I mean? And and, right. and so we want to be open in our lines of communication so that they know what we're doing. Typically, it's it's probably a little bit. It's like, oh, are you guys are just trying to build velocity? No, actually, the, the first thing that we try to do is to to build a healthy player and, and to make sure that that's number one. And, and then from there, it just depends on the person. You know, if, 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 if a guy needs that to further advance his career or to further extend his career, if he does need to build on some velocity, yeah, we, we will do that. Then we can do it pretty well. And if, it, if it's a guy who comes in, he's a college guy or something like that, and he's throwing, you know, 92 to 94 and it's pitch efficiency that he needs, mm-hmm. well, we'll do that too, you know, and, and we'll get guys all the time and they'll ask, do you guys teach mechanics? And we... <laughs> We typically don't use that word, you know, right. but just just because there's so much that goes into it. But yeah, we teach mechanics too, <laughs> and uh, and that's you know that's all part of it and being able to move efficiently. And so yeah, I mean that's we just want to communicate that to those guys. And and it, you're right, it does start with us. We've learned over the years we have to be the ones to initiate those conversations because it's you know you're talking about a 15, 16, 17 year old kid. Mm-hmm. He's worried about Fortnite. You know, right. let's be honest. He's, right. he, he, we have to initiate those conversations. And then we have to educate that kid on why that's so important. And then he needs to take that education and he needs to apply it from for his training from that point on and anything else he might do. Yep, I'm definitely right there with you. And uh, something that I've also added, and I don't, again, I don't want to, I don't want to go too far, too far off topic, but something that I've added in the last year year or two is just a series of questions and just asking them some of some of the things that you were just talking about. So uh, every day, did you get eight, eight hours of sleep last night? Uh, mm-hmm. Did you eat breakfast in the morning? I know that that's something that's so <laughs> that's so it sounds so dumb, but a lot of kids not at all they don't they get up late and then they have like the little microwave pizzas for lunch. Yep, and then you're like, well, no kidding, your your velocity. Oh, down you want to like gain three. weight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> What'd you eat for breakfast? Oh, Pop tart, glass of milk. Mm-hmm. Uh, oh, that's good. <laughs> yeah, I was a bit too busy playing Fortnite. But yeah, uh, no doubt. <laughs> but you know, it's, and it's it's. Did you drink a gallon of water? Like you were saying, mm-hmm. hydration is. And those are three very simple things. And uh, you know, obviously, if it's the weekend, did you throw with somebody this weekend? Because fr- Frisco in the Dallas area has got a lot of great guys that that do a lot of great things as far as as lessons go. But again, we you know, those are things that. They're very simple. It takes three minutes to ask, but you find out a lot about your kids by just taking an interest and, and make and those things go over and overlap with a lot of other things. So I don't know if there's any you know questions that you guys ask or, or Joss, if you've got anything that, that you ask whenever they get there, I can start adding that to the list. But that's something that I found that you get to know them. <clears throat> there's an open communication line, but those are also extremely important things to staying healthy. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think it's a fantastic idea to, to be asking kids those questions. And maybe it's even a daily chart. You know, I will say in season, we like to, to keep, you know, kind of an arm chart as far as, hey, what, uh, you know, how's the arm feeling? You know, and maybe it's as simple as like an RPE type thing where it's one to 10. But, you know, one thing that I might pass along that I like to, to do and that we live by, I meant you mentioned hydration and, and drinking water in there. We go by, we go by a pretty simple formula uh, that guys can absolutely apply to themselves individually. And it's, you know, take your body weight and half of that plus six to eight ounces 
of additional water for every 15 to 20 minutes of exercise. So you take, you know, if you're a 200 pound guy, you need to drink 100 ounces plus that six to eight ounces per every 15 to 20 minutes of exercise. So that's a, that's a little thing that we'll do. And then I usually try to pass along to people. And that's when you start adding that up. I mean, you know, kids look at you and they go, oh, yeah, I didn't drink that much. Right. I'm like, yeah, that's 12 bottles of water, buddy. Right. <laughs> yep. And, uh, I, yeah, I forgot to add that, that I do the how's your arm feel today. And, yeah. and you have to put a number on it because otherwise they'll say good or not right. good. And actually yeah. th- this year I went to one to seven so they couldn't pick five, you know, because you put one to ten and they're like, oh, it feels like a five. I'm like, no, no, no. It either feels better <laughs> or worse. So we went to seven because there's no real in the middle but anyway we'll put a description on it too where we'll put you know what i mean like sure, where, yeah, where yeah. number where does equals it yeah hey what what type of you know where are you at as far as being prepared to throw could oh, you go good. out there and throw a full game you know and, and and just absolutely dominate could you go you know could you go out there and give us an inning or two not to say that that's what we're looking for it's mm-hmm. just kind of a in their mind that's how they equate it you know that's fantastic i like that a lot and I'll probably start. I, I may steal that from you. Just saying. Sure. That's good stuff, man. That's what we're about. Well, Josh, before you go, tell us about your favorite resources, resources that have show, shaped your coaching career or may have recently discovered that, uh, that you could share with us. Yeah, this is honestly, I love it when people, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where you, you're pretty confident that you're going to get asked that. And this is one of my favorite parts of, of listening to podcasts and, and listening to things like this, because this is how I grew. This is how I continue to grow. And so I am always more than happy to share favorite resources, things like that. First, I'm a big PRI guy. It's it's not probably a secret to anybody. Postural Restoration Institute has been an absolutely essential thing for me as far as just understanding the body and the way that it moves. I think a lot of people, you know, when you talk about PRI, you'll get some, uh, oh, that's the balloon and uh, breathing thing, right? Uh, it's, it's a lot more than that. The ultimate goal here is to teach people how to move well um, and how to utilize your muscles in the way that they should be utilized and, and, and really just take the whole body into, into that approach. And it works really well with baseball, to be honest. I mean, it's a, if you can go and, and you can get to a course or if you can read up on any other you know, resources out there. They've got a great website and you, you can find a bunch of stuff out there. And it's growing. That's for sure. Um, so first and foremost, uh, you know, that, that's been a big player for me. Uh, social media is a big one for me. Believe it or not, I, I, I typically use social media from a, from a professional standpoint. Every now and then I'll, I'll throw in a, you know, a, oh, look at the score of that game. But I, I really like to, to get on social media and try to learn from guys. Um, you know, like you said before, you, you've got guys out there like Eric Cressy and, you know, Driveline. They're, they're pushing this, this revolution, you know, that, that we're a part of and that we want to continue to be a part of. And um, those guys are some great resources for books this year. A couple of, a uh, couple of books that I read this year. I read a lot of them, uh, but some, some of my favorites, I believe I saw you mention it. A lot of people have. And man, I think this is a huge separator when it comes to coaching. There's a lot of people out there that can put together a really great program for somebody. I think it takes a special person to be able to uh, sit down and have a conversation with a kid or, or a grown man or a grown woman and be able to get them to buy in on what they're talking about. And, and that's the Conscious Coaching book by Brent Bartholomew. I thought that was great. 
I've uh, I've had we we have an internship program here, and I've had our interns read it, or at least portions of it, and bring it back and have discussions on it. That was fantastic, and I think it's a big deal. I think you need to be able to take different types of people, and you still need to be able to coach them from whatever background that they're coming from, and and it's important for you to be able to to kind of identify that. Maybe it's a different learning style. Maybe they're a visual person, you know, maybe they're auditory, whatever it is. But that that makes you and defines you as a coach. We like to mold our coaching to to players, not the other way around. We don't make them come to our level of teaching. We we work with them. Mike Boyle put out a really good book this year. If you're so for from a perspective for like a high school coach who maybe doesn't have the the big background, new functional training for sports was was a great quick read that's got a lot of great different exercises in it that was a big one that i I looked through it great great stuff but for a guy starting out man that could be a game changer and then to touch on one last thing we talked about the healthy lifestyle and things like that there's a great book it's it's probably not as well known out there but it's it's a quick read and it is really really interesting it's called uh, take a nap change your life and it's, it's one of those things where i will fully admit this is one of those times where I was absolutely dead wrong. I used to give my wife and people would talk about naps, trouble, and, oh, what are you doing? You're not, you're not getting anything done. You're just sleeping the day away, things like that. And man, talk about being as wrong as possible. Awesome book. Really, really interesting read for guys my age, high school guy. I've given it to several of my players and some really good information in it. So, yeah, I, I, I love that question, as you might be able to tell. <laughs> sure. No, I love it. And, and I'm always looking for new resources. And I know that, that that's one of the most popular podcast questions for a reason because, yeah. I mean, we, I love to, to hear new resources. And I did skip over one question that I'd love to ask. This might be my favorite question. Josh, you being a big resource guy and a guy that puts a lot out on social media, but what's something that you've learned lately that you're really excited about? Well, I'll tell you what. Really, truthfully, it's it, both of those things were, were in it. And, and that's the Conscious Coaching book this year was probably one of my, my favorite things because it, it really spoke to me. I, I've, I've always had that approach with just trying to get to know guys and trying to build the trust factor. It's one of the, I think that's one of the most important parts of our assessment is, hey, we're going to sit you down. And maybe we're going to sit mom and dad down too. And we're going to talk to you and we're going to get to know you. And we're going to start to build a level of trust that definitely can't be earned in two to three hours of the assessment. But over the next four to six months, hopefully years, we've got guys in our program who have been here since day one. And when, when they left our, for our college program this, this, uh, this December, January time period, Man, you know, the messages and, and the goodbyes that you get, that is exactly why you do it. And so I would say that that was, that was a really big, important piece to me and something that I was really excited about. It was, it was well articulated. Brett did a great job. I will say too, a, a course that I did from a personal development standpoint um, on some stuff that I learned was, uh, the Posture Restoration Institute's, uh, impingement and instability course. I got to go out and, uh, hang out with the guys at IFAS in Indianapolis, uh, who are great, uh, Mike Robertson. And those guys do an absolutely fantastic job. Uh, Bill Hartman is a genius. I, I'm not the first person to say that. And, and they help put on, along with James Anderson, a really, really good upper level. It's a secondary level PRI course, 
but it's it's good stuff. I mean, and it's stuff that is really, really applicable when you have somebody who comes in and maybe they're not feeling so hot, right? Maybe they've got, you know, an impingement or, or some type of instability where they need some help and it's, you know, it's okay. Let's let's take a step back and, and look at a little bit more of a closer look at a, of an assessment and, and hopefully we can help some of that stuff out. So those are some big things for me. I love it. I'll start uh, start digging into those or at least start looking all of that stuff up. And Josh, if uh, if you don't mind, share with us some contact info where our guys can, our listeners can find you online in case anyone wants to get in touch. Sure. Yeah. No, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm not big myself personally on this stuff, but if you, if you want to reach out to me, I guess uh, it, it would be at uh, J underscore Kiesel. K-E-S-E-L. That's uh, both my Twitter and my Instagram handles. I do like to pump out information that I see from other guys. I'll put some stuff out on my own every once in a while. But the one that I would suggest you follow, if for nothing else, just watching dudes throw gas is uh, is our P3 handles. And, and they're, they're fun, man. It's uh, at P3 underscore STL. And uh, again, that's both our Twitter and our Instagram handles. Uh, fun man we get a lot of guys who uh who, who send us messages and say man it's you know or the comments section is always great to look at when you're on instagram that type of thing oh, but, uh, yeah you get some fun ones uh i give some shout outs to some of our comment guys but that's that i'll, I'll refrain but uh, <laughs> the uh the website is uh p3stlewis.com and and if you want to just skip right to it and and find me on there you can send an email to our info account, info at p3stlewis.com, and, and I personally manage that, um, and I'd be more than happy to answer any questions that guys have or, or if they're interested in getting into one of our programs, whether it be remote or a college program, or even if you're going to come to St. Louis and train with us, we're, we're available. So, And Josh, thank you again for being on the show, but is there anything else that you'd like to tell our listeners before you go? Man, that's about it. Really, just to touch on that again, feel free to reach out. I mean, if you have any questions, if you need direction with something, you know, I mean, we typically, you know, we'll get the guys who say, hey, can you write me up a, a full program, things like that? Uh, maybe not a whole thing, but we absolutely have a, an open door policy to encourage the growth of the game in an effective way. We've got coaches, parents, scouts, advisors, and just people interested in what we do come by and watch our training, pick our brains for information. And to be honest, we love it. We, we're all about it. We're all about talking. You and I were talking before we got on here. We could talk all afternoon. And I know a hundred other people like that in this area and a thousand more in the country that I could just sit down with and, and talk this game and, and talk getting people better at this game. And that to me is, is what it's all about. So I was happy when you asked to come on and I was, I was more than happy to, to come on and hopefully just share a, a few tidbits with you guys uh, today. Thank you for listening to Ahead of the Curve. I hope you enjoyed the show and got something from our outstanding guest. If you're wanting to listen to past shows and get alerts for new ones, Ahead of the Curve is now available on the Texas High School Baseball Coaches Association app, as well as iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Please consider writing a review or rating the show so other coaches can find and stay ahead of the curve.